You're listening to Key Conversations for Leaders. This is episode number seven. Welcome, everybody. Today, we'll be discussing how to think a better thought with Shane Boring. In the show today, we're going to talk about who is that voice inside your head and how to control it. We'll also discuss NASA's study on resetting habits, how to use thought provokers to direct your focus, and we'll even do a quick test of whether you've got control of your thinking or not. And of course, much, much more. It's the simple things that we do every day that determines our success. It's the routines, the rituals, the little decisions that we make, and the conversations we have on a daily basis that build on each other to create momentum towards our vision. That's what the show is about. Better conversations for better leaders. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Key Conversations for Leaders. I'm your host, Sean Ryan, and today we have a very special guest, Shane Boring. Shane has spent a lifetime studying success and has a passion for helping others realize their success in their lives through coaching, consulting, and speaking, as well as an author over the last 25 years. The greatest lesson Shane has learned is learning who the little voice inside his head is and how to control that voice. This lesson caused Shane to change his concept of really everything in his life and inspired him to share his personal experiences in his book, Think a Better Thought. He's a coach, speaker, and author. Welcome to the show, Shane. Hey, thanks, John. It's a real pleasure to be here. Thank you for being here as well. I want to start, Shane, by asking you, you know, how did you get started in coaching and speaking as well as being an author? Well, you know, it's funny. My whole family, uh, it's a line of teachers. And... As a kid, I uh, growing up, all I heard them talk about was how much money they didn't make. And I decided, yeah, this is something I do not want to do. And uh, played sports. I've always been real competitive, right? And uh, went to school, got, got into sales, started you know, doing a lot of uh, sales development. That's really where I started to get into books and conferences and those kind of things. And uh, then, you know, when I started a family, we go to sign up my uh, oldest son, Bryce, for soccer. And I had no idea how to play soccer. I was a football and baseball guy. And they said, do you want to coach? I said, man, I don't know anything about this. <laughs> and the guy says, well, you can control when practice is. And I said, sign me up. I'll coach. And so that started, uh, you know, about. 12, 13 years straight of coaching youth sports. And what I realized through that experience is I really love coaching. And I, I like not just to teach the game, but to kind of give these kids a little bit more to think about in what they want to do with their lives, you know, and what's possible in their lives. And so then I realized, well, maybe I should have gone that teaching route, you know, and, and uh, when I, you know, we, I started my business in 2005, and as I started working with clients on a direct basis and really learning what their real challenges are and you know, what, what the business owner is really experiencing and how he's, he or she is never not working, you know, that business is always with them. You know, I felt like I had good lessons where I had made mistakes and, and corrected those and, and gotten better. And as I began to share that, 
and the feedback I was getting is, hey, this this really helped. That's where it, it all got started. So just little pieces here and there. And, um, you know, I, I was writing a, a book called The New Laws of Marketing because my, my business is an advertising agency. And uh, then I had that, that missing link kind of hit me out of the blue. And I completely shut that down and went straight into Think A Better Thought. And I really, you know, I was just inspired to do it. And it felt right. And uh, it was more work than I ever thought it would be. Uh, but it's really something that uh, I'm grateful that, that I was able to do. And I'm very happy with it. Fantastic. So it all began in that opportunity. You said, hey, we need a coach. I know you know nothing about soccer, but hey, go for it. And you realize that it wasn't just about the rules of the game and how to kick and how to pass, but really the psychology, the mindset and the thinking behind that. Are you seeing and, and maybe have you seen parallels with what you taught on the soccer field with what you teach in the boardroom, per se? Yeah, I mean, really, you know, one of the uh, things that I preach to, to my team is, uh, hey, give it to me like, like I'm a three-year-old, you know? I mean, let's let's really just break it down to what it is. Let's, let's not complicate it, you know, let, and let's have a good time because if, if we're not having fun here, what's the purpose? I mean, life is meant to be enjoyed fully. It's not meant to be a veil of tears. And, you know, I coached some really good teams that won a lot, and I coached some teams that never won a game. But on all those teams, we always had fun because that, that was the main point is to, you know, we don't want to kill sports for the rest of your life. You know, let, let's show you what the true love of it can be. You know, it's not about, of course, you, yeah. you have to be willing to accept, okay, if I'm going to play a game, someone's going to win, someone's going to lose. That's just part of it. So, and that, that's what I bring today is, you know, there's always, if you're not in, having a challenge in your business and you're doing something wrong. You're not because you grow through challenges, you know, and, and the more growth that you have, the bigger challenges come and that allows you to, to get bigger and bigger. And you have to have fun with it. You have to have fun with it. Do you find that the leaders that you work with and the teams that you work with, that they're resistant to the idea of having fun? Like they have to think it should be work. If it's not work, it's, it's not worth it. Yeah, not really. Uh, the you know, I work with some really great clients. Yeah, and um, I mean we're I would call them probably more friends t today. And uh, some I've been working with for over you know, fifteen years now. You know, they're they're not in business to create a hardship. You know, they're they're in it because it's the livelihood for their family, whether they're going to pass it on to their kids or they're going to sell it one day and retire. I mean, it, it's a vehicle towards, you know, fulfilling what they want out of life is, is really what it is. And that that's how we look at it is, you know, what is the end game here? You know, what, what do we want to get to, you know, focus on the end result, not, not where you're at. And I, I think especially now, you know, with all that's going on with this, pandemic it's hard to focus on the end result when you got all kinds of noise 360 degrees around you and you're spinning through it <laughs> you, you just 
can't avoid it. Uh, but that's really what, what we have to do is, is keep our eye on, on the, the end result. I think your comments are really timely, of course, with the coronavirus pandemic that we have right now. And there's a lot of opportunities for negative thoughts, media, articles, fear-based content out there. This idea of thinking a better thought, what does that exactly mean? Can you tell us more about you know, what thinking a better thought really means to you? Well, and, and if you'll allow me, you know, here's a really easy exercise that fully demonstrates this. If your you know, listeners will take the time to do it, we're going to think two thoughts at the exact same time. We're going to think a negative thought and a positive thought. The negative thought is, I am a failure. The positive thought is, I am a success. Now, just take five seconds. You can't go back and forth. You have to think them at exactly the same time. I can't do it. Right. It's impossible. Okay. So the the whole secret to thinking a better thought is realizing that a negative and a positive thought cannot exist in your mind at the same time. And so what you have to do is train yourself to recognize when you are thinking negatively so that you can correct the course. You're never not going to have a negative thought. It's, it's, we're humans. Okay. And notice when, when you're talking with friends, right? How easy it is when they're talking about a problem to say, Oh man, you know what? That happened to me too. You, you wouldn't believe what I had to go through. And, and we're just kind of wired to just jump in on this. Well, that's no bueno. <laughs> it's not, it's not helping us at all. So, you know, when you finally can say, okay, I'm either thinking positive or negative and realize how important that is in getting to that end result. Then the next step is to train yourself to catch when that negative thought is happening so that you can correct it. So recognizing first and foremost, you have a choice. Either you can think the negative thought or you can think the positive thought. You can't hold both in your mind at the same time. And then with that choice comes a responsibility to have awareness of when that negative thought crops up because it's going to happen in, with, with influences around us. It's not the absence of negative thoughts. It's knowing what to do with them that gets us to focus on the better thought. Exactly. I first, um, you know, positive thinking, my, my first introduction to this, and I don't know if you're familiar or a fan of uh, Tony Robbins' work. Um, you know, my first book on personal development was Awaken the Giant Within. And huge book, as we know. And in there, back towards the end, there was a little chapter on like a mental detox. I don't know if you remember the chapter. He talks about Emmett Fox, and he says, do a 10-day mental cleanse where you have no negative thoughts. When I read this, I was on vacation in Cancun, and I thought this would be the perfect place to, to try to have a mental detox. I lasted about 30 seconds. And then I said, <laughs> and I said, man, 10 days, that's a long time. I'm like, oh no, that's a negative thought. So it, it, it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take time. Like, How long do you think it takes for people to train themselves to have that awareness, as you said, and then train themselves to start getting into the, the better thought? Well, uh, NASA did a study that really helps us out with this, okay? So back when the when they realized that, hey, we're actually got a shot at 
putting astronauts in space. They wanted to make sure they could function in an environment where they may be working on something standing upright or sideways, upside down, and they didn't want them to be disoriented and getting sick and those kind of things. So they created a study where they fitted them all with convex goggles that flipped their vision 180 degrees. So now your world's upside down. They never took the glasses off. They worked in them. They slept in them. They showered in them. They ate in them. Never came off. Well, on day 26, one of the astronauts wakes up and his brain has corrected the image. It's flipped everything back right side up. The next, you know, through the 30th day, every astronaut in that program, the same exact thing happened to them. So NASA goes and, you know, does a little more on this study. And what they found out was anytime the goggles were taken off before a full 30 days was completed, the astronaut had to reset and start at day one and go a full 30 consecutive days for their brain to rewire what they're seeing. So my answer to you is at least 30 days of constant reprogramming. You know, that's that's what science tells us right there. You know, NASA paid a lot of money to have that happen. And this is where, you know, your example, you know, in Cancun is perfect. You know, I mean, you lasted 30 seconds or, you know, it's kind of like going to the gym. You know, when you go that if you've been off for a little bit, and you really get after it, you're going to be sore. And if you stop right there, all you're going to get is being sore. You know, your mind's a muscle. So it's going to be sore. And when you start to work on this stuff, just imagine like a, a big pot full of dirty water. Well, when you start flushing that out, it's going to probably look even dirtier than it did when you started. But if you if you lay off, nothing's going to happen. It's still going to look the same. You've got to stick with it. And um, this is where you know, a lot of people really get hung up on the self-help. It gets uncomfortable, and they take a break for one day, two, and then next thing you know, they've forgotten about it. So persistence is a key word. I really love that that NASA story. I never heard it in that context. And the the, the day of not doing it is the day that unravels it, and you're starting over. So it's consistency. It's accountability. It's commitment. Because it's not easy. And you said it's going to look dirty using the pot metaphor. I love that as well. The, the thing that a lot of people experience, and, and I said it took me all of 30 seconds for my internal dialogue to kick in with my self-doubt, is one of the things that you shared in your work is you know one of the greatest lessons you've learned is learning who the little voice is inside your head and how to control that voice. So if you don't mind, Sharon, who is, who is that little voice? Well, that little voice is my ego. Okay, so that, that's how a lot of people know it. You could also call it memory, right? Because what what does our ego have to work with? It only has past information. You know, our our past experiences, or or when it says, uh, "Hey Shane, that that may be uncomfortable," you know, or I don't know if you're smart enough to do this, or what if you get embarrassed? What if you fail? You know, what if this hurts? You know, the ego is designed to protect us, right? And, you know, and our, you know, our conscious thinking is really more of a survival mechanism, right? I mean, there's some studies that have been done, and, and there's a book called The User Illusion 
by poor noir trainers. You can get it on Amazon. And, uh, you know, they did some, some studies where, you know, our conscious thinking, we're only processing at most about 40 bits of information per second. Whereas our brain is receiving 11 million bits of information per second. So what's going on with those other 10,999,980 bits? You know, what's happening there? Um, our, if we're given control of our thinking over to our ego and it's programming us with negative thinking and fearful thinking and those kind of things, we're actually building all kinds of walls and roadblocks in front of us that keep us from moving forward. And, you know, more on the ego. I've, I've been on both sides of the conversation aisle where, you know, you need a strong ego for sales, right? You got to be the biggest voice in the room. You got to, you know, let people know who you are. And then, you know, I've got, you know, family who have, you know, been in recovery and that, you know, they talk about deflation of the ego. And so I've, I've worked on both sides. And what I've come to realize is you cannot get rid of it. I mean, it, it's just there and it's going to stick its little head out when you least expect it. You know, it's always when you get that real confidence that the carpet gets pulled out right, right out from underneath your feet. And it's when you let that ego come in and just start tripping you up, tripping you up. Um, so that's who the little voice is. So our ego is there. It is what it is. Can we change our self-concept and our ego? Well, you know, keep in mind, the ego is always using the past, right? So, and how valuable is the past to us? I mean, that, that's what I ask. It, it's there. Yeah, but um, if there's one way, what I would say in changing it is to really focus on, you know, what you want to be planning inside your mind. So I, I like to use nature a lot, right? So if you think of your mind and your subconscious mind, especially like soil, and think of any thought or idea that you have as a seed, all right? When you, when you plant a seed in the soil, and you, you then water it to grow. There's really nothing else that you're doing. What, what's going on with the seed and soil are completely out of your control. And so when, when we, when we plant a thought into our mind, we can either water it with faith that it's a good idea and it's going to happen, or we can poison it with fear and doubt, you know, like spraying Roundup all over something. You really got two choices. So what you can do is, you know, I'm a big believer in positive affirmations. I'm a big believer in, you know, really uh, even recording them and constantly playing them. You know, it's kind of like the wearing the goggles all the time. Uh, I used to drive my family nuts because I'd be walking around the house with headphones in nonstop. You know, I'd have a couple of sets that I'd just switch out when the batteries would, would die and I was because I knew that I'd been thinking so negatively all my life when I finally realized it, I, I had to just wash that stuff out. You know, the, the, the news that, that you mentioned earlier, you know, social media, whatever, it's constant. It's like a river. It's like a dark river. And if you're not, 
if you don't have your own river going of positive thinking to flood that away, you're going to get overwhelmed with it. That makes sense. And it, I think the in, intensity of the negative emotions tend to be stronger than the intensity of the positive emotions. So then there's a volume thing. That's why it sounds like you were playing that over and over again to make sure you can counteract any of that negative soil or poison that was getting into the soil, as you said, to, to control it. So the ego is there. It is what it is. And all we can do, like the seed, because the seed's going to do what the seed's going to do in the environment that it exists, is make sure that it's in a, a positive supporting environment with plenty of nutrients, plenty of the good stuff, and much less of the bad stuff. Yeah, that's it. And, and that voice, because the voice can be positive, it can also be negative, depending on the river that we're paying attention to and the quality of that river. And that's where you know some of your work, I know, focuses on judgment. And, and if you really think about it, because I've been thinking about judgment for a long time, judgment is inherent in our society. It's a huge piece of whether we feel good enough or not good enough. And we're kind of trained by social media. And, and I know you had experience in marketing too, that some of this, if you don't have the latest and greatest clothes, equipment, uh, whatever, you feel less than, which is a huge reason we buy is to fill that need. So can we control, can we get rid of the negative self-judgment that we have about ourselves and the judgment that we have about others? Like, is that possible or is it the same thing as, as the environment thing? Well, I'll tell you, I've not had one day in my life where I've not judged something. Yeah, and when you become aware of the impact of it, the negative impact, it really becomes frustrating when you catch yourself. But the good news is, and the success is, is you can catch yourself and stop it too. Um, there, there was another uh, NASA study that this guy George Land did, where he uh, they, they hired him to do a, a test to identify geniuses. It was very successful, and he wound up taking the same test to a group of Head Start students about 3,000 of them. And what he found when he tested the three- to five-year-olds is that 98% identified as genius. And this is the same test that the rocket scientists took, okay? So they followed this same group over the next 10 years, and they tested them at 10 and 15. Well, at 10, that same group of kids, only 30% identified as genius. And at 15, 12... The, av the adults, the average age was 31, only 2% of 180,000 adults identified as genius. And what they determined was, you know, when we're five years old, what do most of us do in America? We go to kindergarten, right? We, we go, go to school. And what are we taught in school? We're taught how to judge things, you know, as right or wrong, how to fit in. You know, we... And, when we're judging, we're using what's called convergent thinking. Whereas when we're using our imagination, we're using divergent thinking. And so when you, when you use convergent thinking, it's like hitting the brakes. Whereas divergent is accelerator. But when you hit the brakes, you can't just go back to the same speed you were at. It takes a little while to get that momentum going again. And so we keep hitting the brakes, hitting the brakes, hitting the brakes, and we fall into a habit of judging everything. 
Yeah, a lot. Oh man, this was a really rough day. Oh, man, I, I just don't like my car anymore. You know, these tires are terrible. Look, look at look at what my neighbor has. And we quit thinking of what's possible in our lives and start to look at what we don't have. And the more you think about what you don't have, the more you find that you don't have. That that's the the whole bits thing. There's like as you said, eleven million bits that are available, and the more we make judgments, the more we're directing our focus down to those forty bits that are disempowering, that are focusing on what we don't have, the lack, the scarcity that exists, rather than focusing on things like gratitude, because what you focus on, as we know, expands. I love that. So that's that's an amazing study, by the way. Thanks so much for for sharing that. So let me just kind of unpack. I'm kind of brain still kind of processing that. So the Head Start kids that that were young, full of potential, they haven't been indoctrinated yet into the judgment thinking. Their creativity is off the charts. They're probably highly skilled, as you said, in divergent thinking. And then they go into kindergarten and first grade and all those things where it's like, no, this is the right way. And the more they get that, oh, you want an A, you want to do it this way. Here's how you do art. Here's how you do everything. Now, all of a sudden, they're fitting into that cookie cutter. And everything outside of that, it sounds like is is shrinking that ego to, to tie that into it as well, making us feel less than because of that judgment that is there. And you also identified that that you still have judgments. You're aware of this, just like I know you're aware of the better thought possibility. And these two seem really, I can see the parallel here too. Is it the same strategy to help to combat that judgment? Like what are some things that you do or that you teach to help people get out of that judgment practice? One, you have to be completely honest with yourself. If you can't be honest with yourself, Anything I say or anybody else is not going to work ever. So you you got to get to the point where you can do that. And then the, the key question on judgment is, does judging other people or myself have any benefit to me? No. And really seeing what that is and being able to observe that question or that answer versus judging it, you know, replacing judgment with observation. You know, like I can, I can observe a fire truck and say, okay, this is a red fire truck. I don't have to judge it. Like, man, that's that's a horrible shade of red. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. But, um, and then you know, creating ways for you to check in with yourself. You know, and this is the same thing with, uh, you know, like like negative thinking. You know. Um, I like to use what, what I call a thought provoker. And uh, it, I use golf tees. I use other, I've got a, a rock I keep in my pocket. I'll pick up rocks from vacations. But when I see these objects and I'll put them out of place, what that's supposed to do is to just make me check in. Like, hey, what am I thinking right now? Am, am I judging anything or am I being present or am I in fear of something that's gone on in the past? You know, does this thought have any benefit for me? And that's to help. That's like my gym, right? For my mind to continue to work on myself. So I'll place them, I'll move them around where they're, they're not in the same place. Uh, create notifications on your phone if you want to, 
to check in. But just find little things that, that work for you where you can that remind you, hey, you need to do this. Yeah, it's good because you can't buy a membership for a, a mental gym as far as I know. And so you kind of have to create your own. And you've got to find what works for you. So just because you read a book and somebody gives you some, some questions to ask yourself or some things to do, if that doesn't feel right, find what does feel right for you. You know, don't give up just because, you know, what someone else is giving you, that's what worked perfectly for them. You've got to take it, you know, everyone has to take it further to find what is really the best for them. And then as they do that, they're going to find that those things change too. Because, you know, I like to say when you're green, you grow, when you're ripe, you rot. So, you know, if you ever think you got it all figured out, you're rotting. You know, you always got to be trying to improve it. I love that. When you're green, you grow. When you're ripe, you rot. That's a great Shaneism. I'm sure you have plenty of those <laughs> as well. So let me unpack that because that was a lot. I love the idea. Yeah, and if we can come up with a way to have a mental gym, I think we could definitely get some memberships going out right now, especially in today's world. But at the same time, I think the main idea you're sharing is we have to have that commitment just like we do to our physical body. You talked about exercise. You can't just go to the gym one time and think that you nailed it. It's it's the consistency that you mentioned, the NASA with the 30 days. And if you're off one day, it's it's actually a reset. So the strategy that you have, or at least one of them, is get a reminder. So cell phone, golf tee, a special rock, and it's environmental. It's something in your external environment to cause you to have like awareness or attention and say, oh, hey, check your thinking. And the more you do that, it is like a mental gym. You're actually conditioning yourself to become aware of it, like you said. And most importantly, I think the last thing you said is responsibility. So just because the the rock works for you or the golf tee works for me, that may not be your thing and it has to grow with you because if you're not growing, then then you're actually actually dying. So that's one way. So have that mental cue in the, in the external world. What have you encountered with, let's say, negativity in terms of teams? I know you mentioned earlier that having fun at work, having fun in projects, is, it brings in energy. It probably relates to the divergent thinking you're thinking as well because we're not trying to do it right. We're actually having fun and we're exploring possibilities, thinking outside the box. What kind of dynamics have you seen in terms of the companies and teams that you've worked with in terms of the impact and negativity and, and what really can be done about it? First, you got to ask yourself, where where does this uh, negativity exist? Right? And is it in my perception? You know, is there something that, that I'm thinking wrong that, that is causing this? Now, if someone's having a fit, right, I mean, that's, that's easy to, to see. But you, you uh, can't just go over to your staff and say, hey, your thinking is negative and it's hurting the company. You know, it's better to lead by example and get yourself right first because, you know, you cannot control people, places, and things. The only control you have is over what you're thinking and what your actions are. And so you can do work on yourself and people will start to notice that. You know, and you can say, you know, 
I, you know, I've realized that my thinking was negative. I've been, I've been actually working on it. Uh, if you're interested in what I'm doing, I'd be happy to share that, that kind of thing with you. Uh, and then you can start to even introduce little bitty pieces after that. Uh, or, you know, a great question. You know, when you see someone who is having a really bad day, you know, it's like, you know, how, how can we make this work better? You know, give them a, a really good open-ended question that has a positive outcome. Even if it's this sucks really bad and this will make it suck less, that's a, a positive outcome. We're, we're moving forward just a little bit. You know, break down what the, the roadblock is. You know, ask them, say, hey, what is the real roadblock here? And, you know, come from a place of the solution always. If you're trying to solve a problem from the place of the problem, you're going to stay inside the problem. That goes back to that end result. So the end result is, okay, we've solved this problem and everyone is happy. You know, how does that feel? What's that look like? What did it take to get us there? I, I like to use uh, GPS as, as an example of the, the the big goal, end picture, end result. You know, when you say, okay, I want to go to, Dow you know, 1431, Main Street in Dallas, Texas, you plug that into your GPS, boom, all of a sudden you've got a, a map, you've got directions, you have a plan. But if you don't plug anything in there, leave it open-ended, you've got nothing. You're just running around in circles and frustration, you know. So those are some things that, that uh, I do. You know, whenever you call someone out for being negative, it's never a good outcome. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they they get offended. You know, it's just nobody wants to be negative anyway. True. I mean, really. I mean, the truth of it is. And when we're when we programmed ourselves over and over and over again, and then somebody points it out, well, that's really frustrating. So you you have to always say look look inside, look inside first. If if you are in the right space, then everything's going to be okay. And then you have to come really from a place of love. You know, if if that was you. Having this bad day, how would you want to be talked to? Would you want someone to, to help you? Or would you want someone to tell you how you've been doing it wrong? That's exactly where the judgment comes in. So let go of the judgment. Be the role model that you said. Be the example that you want them to be. And when someone's off their game, ask questions. Get curious. Look at it from their perspective. And really try to get them to focus on the solution, which is really what it's all about. Help. Awesome. Is there is there any other thing that you'd like to share with us around thinking about our thought that we haven't talked about so far? Yeah, no, you know, I mean, I think questions are key, really. You know, I mean, that's that's really where you get yourself, and it's what am I thinking now? Does this thought have any benefit for me? Who's thinking this? Is it my ego? Uh, you know, get some affirmations. You can Google personal affirmations. There's millions of them. Find ones that work for you. Use a, uh, your recorder on your iPhone to, or your other, you know, whatever you got. It's pretty easy to record those today. Get that thought provoker and, you know, find some time to, to relax, you know, and, and just tune out. And this is a great exercise for your audience. Um, think of one of the most 
positive experiences in your life that you ever had. Could be a vacation, you know, birth of a child, wedding day, whatever. And later today, you know, just get in a quiet spot and see if you can focus only on that thought for 20 seconds or more. If you cannot, that's a full demonstration of your ego jumping in and trying to take control away from you. And that, that'll show you right there whether you've got control of your thinking or not. And if you need to start asking yourself questions or not. I love it. Shane, thank you so much for being here and sharing all those great tips and ideas. I look forward to implementing them in my own life as well. And what's the best way for our listeners to stay in touch and connect with you? Yeah, you can go to thinkabetterthought.com. Uh, also, uh, Facebook, Think A Better Thought, Instagram. But if you want to get in touch with us, uh, be more than happy to do that. If you want the book, you can go to Amazon. We've got uh, paperback, audiobook, Kindle, all there for you. Um, and uh, also, on, on our website, thinkabetterthought.com, if you go to resources and then workbook, I've got a workbook that includes a chapter summary and training exercises out of each chapter. It's 100% free. It caught well. It cost you your email address, but I have yet to send a mass email yet. So your your email is safe. Maybe even your fake email address that you use to sign up for stuff, it's safe. It's not going to get emailed. Uh, maybe once or twice a year. I don't know. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Shane. Have a great day. Hey, thanks, Johnny. To connect with Shane, simply head over to thinkabetterthought.com or you can find his book, an audible book, on Amazon. Until next time, develop yourself, empower others, and lead by example. Thanks for listening to Key Conversations for Leaders with your host, John Ryan. And I'd love to hear from you. If you have a specific problem or topic that you'd like addressed on this show, send an email to john at keyconvo.com and we'll do our best to bring it into the conversation.